0: All right, let's begin this morning. Hallelujah. I'm glad that you're here this morning. And it looks like and it sounded like you guys are fired up. All right. All right, let me see your hand if you had a great, I mean, over-the-top week. Okay, about uh, 40%. Now, let me ask you this. How many people believe that it is possible to have the best week of your life? Let me see your hand. See, some of us have never thought about that before, the best week. And the reason is, is if I said, what is the best week of your life, you probably couldn't tell me. And when we're talking about faith and believers and walking in the way of God and, and really believing things that the Word of God says about us, th- those are things that should be on our mind. What is the thing that you're believing for? You know, Jesus, uh, in the book of John, he comes up on the pool of Bethesda and there's a man that's been there for 38 years and he says, do you want to get well? And he just kept coming up with excuses. Well, there's nobody here to help me in the water. Let's not be that guy. Let's be the guy that says, I want, you know what I want? I want to be healed in Jesus' name. This is a week that's coming up that could be the best week of your life. And what I mean by this is as we believe, as we look long and expect God to show up in our life, it's amazing that he says that he will. Not well, maybe I will, and maybe I won't. You know, we sing that song that the the goodness of God is chasing after me. Some of us need to slow down. We're going so fast that we're saying, you know, where is God? God says, man, I've been trying to get goodness to you, and you will not slow down and look for me because I am right here. I'm I'm kind of fired up. I've had a good week myself, and I just want to, Let me just take a breath. You know, I I think about uh, Jesus and just the amazing thing that he said that God came to give us life to the full, that we might enjoy life. Are you enjoying life? Because if... Maybe you're saying, no, I really don't. There's some things that you can change today that could be the first day of a new day for you, a new season in your life. Um, God puts two people, Adam and Eve, man, and when man saw who God created for him, she got her name. Oh, man. Some of you will get that tomorrow. and you. <laughs> Whoa, man. Woman. And he puts them in the garden, gives them everything that they need. Can you say amen? But he gives them everything that they want. They don't even know all the goodness that is in store for them right there in the garden. But the first snake, hear me, that shows up and says, did God really give you all that? Talks them out of the goodness that God has given to them already. That that here it is, and they what did they do? They disobeyed. Based on the fact that they thought God was holding out on them. Can, can we all just, if, if we're in that place in our life where we're, you know, just depressed, and the first thing is realizing that two things are, the two emotions that really can keep us from getting all that God has for us. Think about it. Fear and worry. And here's just a secret. Maybe you're 150 years old and you haven't heard this secret yet. The way to kill fear and worry is gratitude, thankfulness. You can't do it at the same time. And once you begin to get thanksgiving and gratitude in your heart, and it begins to generate. All of a sudden you begin just what we're talking about. God's not holding out on me. And and my past might be the past, but today is a new day. Have you ever thought that you were doing the right thing until you realized, man, I've just been going the wrong way? Do, Do you understand stupidity is continuing in that way? thinking that you're going to get different changes or different things in your life. The day that that revelation takes place, you go, man, I just, I need it, I need it change ways. Heard a story about a kindergarten teacher, and she was teaching her class, and, you know, some of them had a poor self-image, and she was trying to teach them that nobody is ignorant. And she said, I, I want the class to know today is if if you think you're dumb, just stand up right here, right now. And nobody stood up, and she was about ready to make her point that nobody's stupid, when all of a sudden little Jimmy stood up. And she thought, oh, no. She says, Jimmy, you, you don't feel like you're dumb, do you? And he said, no, ma'am, but I sure didn't want you to stand by yourself. It is so important as we've been talking about this whole year, that's right, this whole year, about God's blessing in our life and how that priming, how we continually bring it before us, that that, again, our perspective on life begins to change, that God blessed us in order to be a blessing. If God knocked on your door and said, you know, I've got so much that I want to distribute to the people that are around you, could, could I just possibly bless you in order that you might be a blessing to the people around? Would you say, no, God, no, I'm just a little, you know, no, I don't have enough. I don't need, no, we'd all step and go, hit me, bless me, and, and I believe that today that that when we get a different perspective, a different thinking, all of a sudden our life begins to change because our belief system will make us personally make choices that will personally put us in experiences that will confirm or contradict our belief system. And a lot of times, we've been doing things and experiencing things that have been bringing wrong results, but it's just so comfortable, it's familiar, it's predictable, so we stay doing the same thing, getting the same results. It's, It's like going in a circle, the crazy cycle that I call it. Now listen to the quote. Until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate. I, I, I bring this because, let me say it again. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. It, it just, It's just my lot. You got to play the cards that were dealt you. Well, maybe it is your habitual system that is going over and over. Someone has taught you something. Someone has said something to you that was not based on the Word of God. But you have believed it is truth. Therefore, that belief system has put you in a place of choices or choosing things that are not good and you're reaping the consequences and the experiences. Now, now, I've been talking about, and, and through this platform, we've been talking about how words change your thinking, and, and we're going to get back into. We'll touch on that again, and 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 how powerful it is. Our confessions out of our mouth. Nothing. Listen to me. This is biblical. But I've been talking about habits, and 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 personally, in John Miller's life, I, I have woke up. This is revelation in my life that it has has changed the way that I look somewhat. <laughs> years in my life hmm. our habits shape who we think we are our identity see the word of God can say you're the righteousness in Christ Jesus but we, we there's something about us something that somebody's been told some sermon that we heard that was maybe good in meaning let me tell you I'm not bashing any minister but, but listen, you, you can hear something that's not biblical and put it into your life as your identity or you heard it different than the pastor even spoke it. Come on. Let me, let me give you an example. There's a lot of times little people come up to me later and they'll say, you remember when you preached on that? No, I never preached on that. I, I heard just, and she meant, well, this lady one time, this was 100 years ago. But she met me at the door on the way out, she goes, you know how it says in the Bible that if, if your family falls overboard, and who would you save? Would you save your husband or your children? And she looks at me, and she says, you know how the Bible says that you would save your husband because you can always have more children? And I went, what? What? That is nowhere in the Bible. Are you sure? I'm sure that's not in the Bible. I didn't have to go to Bible school to find, figure that out. But her belief system was based on somebody probably some pastor probably saying, Make sure that you're loving your husband if, if you're you know, whatever, and, and your children are people that are going to grow up and leave whatever the truth was it was me. she heard they fall out of the boat, you're saying bye to your children. You know, like it says, Pastor, in the Bible, early to bed, early to rise makes the man healthy. No, that's Ben Franklin. That's not in the Bible. So a lot of times, if we're not careful, we put stuff in our belief system. Good stuff, maybe, but it's not biblical. And and some bad stuff. But the, the habits aren't always, you know, they're not always good. You have has, habits and systems in your life. I have a habit. I wake up early. I, I I get up and I stumble around a little bit, and I I don't turn on the lights, and I I go over and I get on this robe, and I put on my sleep. I go out and make that godly brew called coffee. Ooh, and, and I I drink it in the quiet. Of the, it's a system. It's a habit that I create. There's not all good habits. And I'm not talking things that you're actually, but things that you're thinking. It's a habitual thought that's going on that is not biblical. Now, I want you to see that there's two reasons as we're talking about changing habits and the way that you think that there's two challenges because a lot of times we, we try to change the wrong thing and we try to change our habits in the wrong way. And I'm going to get to the Bible here in a minute, so... You that are afraid that this is just psychology, you know, it isn't. As we talked about, there's three layers of different habits. A lot of us have made goals in our life. If you've ever had a New Year's resolution, I'm going to do this better this year. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to eat as much, whatever. Have you ever set a goal? And and for John Miller, you know, a lot of times in my life, I, I really couldn't ever be happy until I reached the goal I was always looking for the goal then when I reached the goal I always set another goal and you know yeah 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 I accomplished that but most of the time I didn't accomplish the goal I just set something or even brought it down a little bit you know what I'm talking about I'm gonna read the Bible in a year and you're still in Exodus in June and you go well I'm gonna get it next year The truth hurts sometimes, do not it? Now listen, there's outcome, goal setting and habit setting. Outcomes. The outcomes are about what you get. This is your thinking, changing your thinking. There's a way of changing your habits in the process and it's what you do. But what we've been talking about is your identity and how important it is that you know who God says you are and begin to live that out. There's freedom in that. Identity is what you believe about yourself. Now, let me tell you, a lot of times we believe about ourselves, what somebody has spoken over our life. And let me tell you, that is not always what God has spoken over your life. Someone can encourage you and say what God says, that's good but typically somebody always has an opinion that'll just be skewed a little bit, and maybe it's in a time of, well, not too happiness. You know what I mean? You no good, you know? All of a sudden, we're no good. Again. We're not talking about just outcome habits and creating the way of thinking of what we want to achieve and who we are, but it's what we do is based on what we believe and who we are and what Christ has said. Let me remind you, all of us have belief systems and out of those belief systems come our choices and out of the choices come our experiences. I pray that you'll allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you in your life choices that maybe you've made that you go, you know, why am I still making those choices? Sometimes, again, it's the voice. There's a good good voice, you know, I'm not saying that all voices are bad, come on now. But, If you woke up and you're going to put on a yellow shirt and purple pants, do you hear a voice from your mother saying, No, you're not. That's the voice. But sometimes that voice says, You can't do that. Now, when we begin to walk in the identity of who God says we are, we can do things that really is beyond sometimes our identity until... That habit is created and builds that identity. Let me explain. In the Bible, there's a, a little guy called David. He, he's really a nobody. Even his dad says, oh, yeah, 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 I got another son out here. When, when Samuel comes to anoint a king from one of his sons, remember that. He, he's really a nobody. We think of him as somebody. and We always criticize Jesse, maybe the brothers. But at this point, he is really a nobody. He's just common. But he's not common to God. Just like you are not common to God. You are extraordinary. As you know, Samuel says, We're not even going to sit down until you get him. They go get him in the in the in the fields where he's keeping his father's sheep. He's brought in, he's anointed to be king. Now, understand that at this moment we're it's conjectured to believe that the Holy Spirit has come on him in the Old Testament, possibly. The Holy Spirit at times would reside on people even up to the New Testament with John the Baptist, and we know that. But but what I do know is that he heard something when he was anointed king. Really, come on. All it is is oil poured on the head of somebody, and the prophet, which everybody represents as the, the voice of God, says, you're going to be the next king. Now, do you realize that his belief system has to take on that new identity? Am I the next king or am I not? Why am I not? Well, because I'm just a little boy. My dad didn't recognize me. My brothers don't like me. But something happens in him that he begins to walk in that identity. If you don't know the story of David, have coffee with me sometime for about three hours. As Bruno. Bruno just touched on it the other day of coffee, and he's like, oh, no, because I just want to talk the rest of the time on David. If you know just a little bit about David, I mean, here he is, and he is just a young teenager after he's anointed, and he shows up as nothing but a delivery boy. And you know the most famous story of David? Goliath. These are soldiers. These are men that are fighting. They're the army of God. They come upon an enemy that has a giant, threaten them, threaten, threaten, threaten. Here's a guy that, come on. His brothers even go, I know who you are. He had a reputation. But David says, did you not get the memo? I have a new title. I'm the future king of Israel. What does the future king of any country do? Come on. Think about it. He protects his people. He becomes a champion just because he's based on the position. I'm going to do it. And you know the story Goliath is killed. He moves from killing a bear and a lion, which is a kind of a a local hero, into an international hero with a reputation of a giant killer. If you don't realize that after effect of that decision it ripples through the whole army and eventually listen there will be mighty men of God that will be given the title mighty men of David have you ever read about those guys I mean they're standing in fields by themselves until their sword freezes to their hand because they've killed so many enemy when the other army has fled those mighty men are in the crowd watching this little boy named David go down and kill the enemy, the giant. People are waiting for you to take hold of your identity and be inspired to do things they never dreamed they could do, including your children. Well, Pastor, that's a little bit past mine because I've got grandchildren. Your children and grandchildren are waiting for you to step into your identity. It's not too late. Now, now think about this. Here's David, and, and even later, when Saul has kicked him out and chasing him for his life, he gets to a place in another situation in life. He's walking around, I'm going to be the next king, until the fact is that the Philistines that he's with, and I can't go into all the details, have sent him home. He's in the place that he thinks he should be, and God says, this isn't for you with the enemy. He was going to go out against Saul and Jonathan against Israel. Now, I'm saying this, if you know the story, if you don't, get into the Bible. It is so interesting. But the story is that David goes home thinking, I want to be back there, but God doesn't want me back there for some reason. He gets back to his house to find out that there's another enemy called the Amalekites that have come through. Just like locusts. They've, they've taken everything, burned everything in their path, taken all these 600 men with David, all their families, all their possessions. You know what I mean? Everything. It says that his men that have come to him, David didn't go out there and put up a help wanted sign. If you want to come out here with, no. These men have come to David. Now they want to kill David. Why? Because he's walking in his identity. I, what, what What is that identity? I, I'm going to be the next king. I'm not going to kill the king that is there today. Because I'm a righteous man of God. The Bible says that he runs into a decision. The men want to kill him. What does he do? They say, you bunch of losers, you're out here. And all of them just take a, a complaint fest. No, he encourages himself in the Lord. What does a righteous man that is anointed king do? That's what he does. He encourages himself in the Lord. Do you encourage yourself in the Lord or do you go to the wine fest? I don't mean alcohol. I'm talking about, (laughs) they don't know. Do you pray the problem? I pray the problem if I'm not careful. I hear myself and I say, you know better than that. You know what you do when you do that? Just stop. <laughs> and so David, it says he, he says, "God, what should I do?" And God says, "Go get him." I love that. Get them. I have dogs that aren't vicious; they're little border collies, but they, I go get them, and they go like they're going to eat you. Rrr. David kind of did that. Go get them. Now you got 600 men, they're tired, they've been to battle, they didn't go to fight, I mean they didn't fight, but they were at battle, they come all the way back to find everything gone, they march to get all their stuff, their family back, and 200 of them can't go on, they're so tired, they stop. We know that they're tired because they're soldiers, they're warriors, but they continue to go, 400 of them continue to go. They find the enemy, which is called the Amalekites. They fight with them all day into the evening. And here's what God God just taps me on the shoulder when I'm talking to Bruno about this again the other day. He just taps me on the shoulder. You remember that, John? Now watch this. We miss this in reading this. The army of David... 400, because they leave 200. They have 400 men. They fight all day, and it says they defeat the Amalekites, and none of the Amalekites survive except 400 young men that escaped on camels, which we go, wow, they must have been. Then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. How many men were with David? They started with 400. They fought all day and killed all day the enemy until finally there's only 400 of the youngest energetic, hey, hey, look at me, they're running for their lives. That's the the blessing of God on David's life because he chose to do something. He chose to experience, made a choice, and experience the goodness of God. Do you understand? His belief system is that God can do it. Out of that belief system... He makes a choice to pursue the end, even though he's tired. And out of that choice, he experiences the victory of the battle. But here's what just lights me up. Is at the end of that, he's driving all the possessions because the Amalekites had come through the land and taken everything. Why? Because all the men in that area were fighting at that big battle that he was at originally. So David now is richer than he has ever been. And his 400 catches up with the 200. They have 600. They're going back home and they're driving all the animals that have been stolen from the Amal- or the Amalekites had taken now is David's and they come up and they start sending them to the as offerings to the elders of Judah. A big deal. But see, he doesn't realize that Saul has been killed in that battle. Do you remember that? Jonathan has been killed in that battle, and the elders will eventually from Judah come and say, David, why don't you become our king? If David would have been fighting Saul, the king of Israel, do you think that they would have made David the king? Do you think that they would want it, or they wanted to make him king if he was fighting the Israelites? No, but where was David? God said, that's not for you. Come over here. And because he was over here fighting the enemy, the Amalekites, people say, the hero, David, our hero, come be our king. I'm making a point. If you want to make another point, you could go to the the sun or the, um, the beginning of faith with Abraham. Remember, he starts out as Abram. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be your protection, your shield. I'm going to bless you in order to be a blessing. I'm going to give you a son, and he walks. He begins to walk out a new belief system, even though him and Sarah, now Sarah, have no children. We know the story over and over if you know the Bible. In Genesis, it is very interesting. Please read it. But if you know the story, when he begins to have a little bit of a doubt, God says, hey, 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 you got to create another habit. And he changes his name to Abraham which is the father of many nations. No children. What's his habit? To begin to speak to things that are not as if they were. I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. It's not manifested yet. He, I can't see any, I can't see any children, let alone father of many nations. But that habit creates in him a continual belief system that is being built that will propel him to a place that he never could be without that. Now, if you continue to study Abraham, he's going to come into a place where he is blessed. He has brought along his nephew Lot. They are so blessed that they don't have enough grass. And it's not even Texas in the summer. But anyway, they don't have enough grass for their animals. Their their herds are too blessed. They part ways. What happens? Lot goes to Sodom. He picks the best. God says, I got it for you, Abraham. Don't you worry. Why? Because I will bless you in order to be a blessing. Let me just fast forward. A story that I want you to see in his belief system is that he is a man of faith. He believes God. He's going to walk in the way of God. Lot goes to Sodom and Gomorrah and we know the story if you don't read it. It's very interesting. He ends up in the city of sin. I mean, it's worse than Las Vegas. It was sin city before Las Vegas. It just so happened that there were four kings that came out against Sodom and Gomorrah, defeated them, took Lot, his family, everything that he had captive. Now watch this. Abraham hears the story that his nephew has been caught by four kings in their armies, plural. The word comes to Abraham that's out on the pasture. He's a nomad, but he has a belief system that's going to make a choice. And the the news is your nephew has been caught and kidnapped. All that he has, wives, children, everything. Abraham says to his 319 he's rich 319 men that work for him let's go i don't know if they had that song saddle up your horses but anyway they settled it up and the bible says that they went and defeated the enemy four kings you can't do that you only have 319 men they're not even soldiers But I have a belief system in my God that said that he will be my protector, my shield and faith. I will do that. I will make a choice that will come out of that belief system that will experience the goodness of God now in the land of living, not in heaven only. I hope you're paralleling this with your life because I'm not just telling you history. What is it that God is saying in your belief system needs to be changed? There needs to be a change in your habitual thinking of how God sees you. Again, putting the focus on who you wish to become. I've said it many times, when you get a word from God... When you're in the Word of God and the Word of God speaks to you, you know how it is, it jumps off the page or you hear a sermon and you go, wow, revelation. When you get a word from God, it'll always be put to the test. Feeding in the 5,000. Let's get into the boat and go to the other side. There's a storm that just came from the Word of God. We're going to go to the other side. storm comes. God, we're going to die. God says, what? I just told you. No more storm. So I've said this. Trouble shows up in your life to ask one question. Do you remember the question? Let's all together. Ready? Who are you? you? I know that some of you are pious and you didn't yell it out. Or maybe you didn't know it. So let's all say, who are you together? Ready? Who are you? Can you see trouble showing up in your life to go, who are you? Because the unconscious, until it is brought into the conscious, that belief system of saying we're not enough is directing your life just like trouble says, you're not enough. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You are... You are what you do based on who you believe you are. What does a person do in the middle of the storm? What does a person do when they hear that their nephew was kidnapped? What do they do in a, in a thing when, when the Goliath is yelling up every morning and every evening? What does a child of God do When even someone close to you, like David's brother, says, you're not all that. What does your belief system do? What is it based on? Is it based on somebody in your life and in your past telling you you're not enough? Or maybe they're saying out of your own energy, you are enough? Let me tell you, out of our own energy, we'll fail every time. Amen, Pastor John, I'm a witness to that. All right, let's go on. I'm glad that. Now now watch this. Let's let's go another step before we get out of this place today. A lot of times it is the voice that is speaking to us on spiritual things. You know, s- someone maybe that meant well Let's just call her sister Beulah, okay? Johnny, you don't smoke or chew or run with girls that do, okay? Gwen gave up chewing tobacco a long time ago. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some year, but did she actually chew tobacco? No, she never did. Okay, let's make that clear. But somebody that spoke into your life just a little bit, you know, if you wear short sleeve shirts in the sanctuary, you're going to hell. What? Did anybody? Some of you have been raised that you're about this far from going over into hell. And you became so sin conscious, you really forfeited, you're probably the sin of omission. You didn't do what you should be doing because you just didn't want to do what you, no, that's scary. See, here's the Apostle Paul. And he's doing everything he thinks is right. But he's really the little kid, you know. Paul, you're stupid. You're standing up. You're doing the wrong thing. You're missing the point. See, the apostle Paul was so in the in the book of Philippians. You can turn to chapter three, and I encourage you to read that this week. But but here he is, and he and he just kind of it's just kind of like he's got to explode. He's got to get it out. Because the law followers, the the people that were preaching circumcision and mutilating the flesh or, you know, all the things, you're going to hell if you don't do that. And and they were so rigid that he was saying, watch out for those that are just speaking that stuff of legalism that just continually speaks it until you you become into bondage that you can't. He said, I was that. And all those guys that are doing that, all those, those rigid law followers that are getting down to the very legalistic of it, first of all, they're not free. They don't walk in freedom. And they're willingly doing that to propel themselves to feel better, even though it's a wrong belief system. But he says, you know what? I can speak by experience because I was really the... the Superman of the wrong thinkers. I I was doing all this stuff and doing all of it so good that people were patting me on the back to to really excel that identity of who I thought I needed to be. And if you read that, you begin to kind of go, oh my goodness. Let, Let me read some of it to you before we go. Philippians 3 verse 10 this is how the message. Because sometimes we read it out of the King James or the NIV. This is forgetting what lies behind and pressing. But this is how the message just kind of, kind of, maybe jerk our chain. You know, the slack out of our chain a little bit and go well. But this is how the message. It says, Paul says, I gave up on all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power. now now stop right there he'll get into talking about actually being resurrected as we all believe that we want eternal life but he's talking about the power of the believer right here how do I know that because you can go into Ephesians chapter 1 and he says that if you could just grasp the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you that we don't walk around with a belief system that we're just busted disgusted and that's all we got we're just Christians we don't need much on that For all those people, there are us that believe that we need to be a blessing to them. Amen on that. Thank you. Let's go on. So I could know Christ personally and experience his resurrection power. Be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. So that's the part that he says, I want to have eternal life. But he goes on in verse 12. I'm not saying that I have done, saying that I have all this altogether, that I have made it, you know why I think he said that? This is just me. This is John Miller. Don't preach this as, you know, saving your husband and not your children, all that kind of foolish. But this is what I want you to This is my idea. Is he saying this? I am not saying that I have this all together, that I have have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wonderfully reached out for me. He says, don't be bringing all the stuff in. Well, Paul, I see this in your life. I see this. In, he's saying, I am doing my best in my belief system so that I can receive what God has for me. That's what you can say. See, I can say, God has blessed me. Say, well, pastor, I thought you had a little problem on that, that, that. There's always people going to stand in line. That's that voice talking to the hand. That's what you say, talking to the hand. You're not talking to me. That's Paul. He says, not that I've got, but I'm pressing on. Listen to what he says. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal. See, this is going to be his new habit of thinking, his new belief system, where God is beckoning me, us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. This is his new belief system. So this is what I want you to look at. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. How many people's in that camp? Maybe you weren't listening. Let me say it again. So let's keep focus on that goal. Those, if you're in this camp, those of us who want everything God has for us. Are you in that camp? If any of you have something else in mind, and some of us here today are scratching their chinny-chin-chin. Chin, here it is. If someone... If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God was clear. God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. See, earlier he comes into the fact of defining. He goes this in verse 3. He says this. See, because Paul had been a law follower who loved that identity, and he says this, the real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry. Filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry it out on our own efforts, and we know it. See, he missed the point. He was working on being a law follower, and God shows up in his life, you know, and he goes, wow, this grace that God has come through Jesus is where it's at. I missed it. My belief system was not the correct one. And I'm even willing to go to death because nobody's going to talk me out of it. Now watch this. Sometimes we miss the point. Sometimes we miss the big picture. I heard about the 85-year-old lady that was needing to get into shape, and so she decided to sign up for an aerobics class. She said, I bent, I twisted, I gyrated, I perspired for an hour. But finally, I got my leotards on and the class was over. Don't miss the point. I'm not even going to explain that joke. See me later if you want, if you didn't get that. Let me encourage you. When you get a a core motivation, I mean, it is deep-rooted motivation. It'll become out of the identity of who you believe yourself to be. Begin to live as somebody that you would think of living out the life of a person that believes that the, the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Let, let's give an example that you can live by, Paul. Matter of fact, if you read the last of that chapter, he says, follow my example. And even in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 11, where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's pretty bold. But creating habits that you would think somebody, we know uh, we, we're the little braces, so what would Jesus do? But some people get overwhelmed. Oh, well, Jesus, you know, I'm not. Do what Paul did. How's that work? Well, there's characteristics of a person that are, that believes. Now, let me tell you, you might try to talk yourself, and there's a lot of people that'll stand in line, and talk you out. You're not the righteousness in Christ Jesus. You know what you did. You know, but listen, even though you don't feel it, doesn't mean it's not true. Hebrews chapter 4, promise into the promised land, because those people didn't mix it with faith, they didn't experience the promise the promise is when we walk by faith and not by sight by feelings that we walk in our identity that we're the righteousness in Christ Jesus so let's use Paul do you think Paul felt like he was the righteousness in Christ Jesus after he had persecuted the church no matter of fact he even said it a lot of times but what did Paul say was the things that came out, the actual behaviors that were noticeable? Because a lot of times in the church world, the spiritual things are so unseen, you know? Ooh, did you see that person? They drunk water with their left hand. What does that mean? I don't know, but they're spiritual. You know what I mean? It's always that ooh. But Paul makes it clear. The things that will come out of a person that is walking in the identity of a believer, uh, a child of God, the righteousness in Christ Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's found in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, so that when you get a deep-rooted core belief of who God says you are, again, creating habits are just the little creating small wins every time you do a behavior that that is, that is representative of a believer, of a person, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Let me tell you, a lot of those are just feelings. You know what? Love, joy, peace. Do you feel joy? No, but I believe I have joy in the name of the Lord. But those characteristics that come out of that are small wins that prove to yourself that's who I am. But here's a better one. It's let me give you an illustration. It's like vote. Every time that you, that person is a knothead at Subway, and let me tell you, I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind. Nope. I'm gonna be gentle. And I believe that I have peace. Every time you do that, it's a small vote of your identity, of who you are. You don't have to win the election by getting every vote. I'm not saying be perfect. But in walking habitually in that belief system, all of a sudden is going to create an identity that again, you'll allow God to work in your life like never before. It'll be coming the best version of yourself is going to require a constant editing of your belief system and upgrading your identity. See, here's what I... And I'll kind of wrap it up in the next 45 minutes here. People smarter than me says that most of us Do somewhere between 45 and 55% of our life habitually, just habits. And the good news is when we do that, it frees up parts of our brain to be able to, you know, solve problems that we've never come in. That's what a habit does. A constant trying at something until we fix the problem. And then we create a habit that we think out of that. Now, watch this. This will change your life. It's changed mine. It's the unconscious habits that we're unaware of that's directing us. But if you can realize this, out of 50, let's say 50% of what you do is just habitual, just without thinking, the good news is that you don't have to think about it, you're just doing it. The bad news is it's brought you to a place that has caused stagnation. Until you become aware of those and change them, you can't go to another level. Because they're just constantly, that's your system. In computers, that's your operating system. So to upgrade is to say, okay, God, get me into the word of God for my life at this season in my life. Give me new direction. Give me, I'm listening. Here's a a faith-filled passage. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Look long and expect for the goodness of God to show up in your life. Well, that's a habit that would change your life right there. If every morning you primed yourself, whoo, suki sookie, sookie, God's going to show up today, and I'm looking. He's not going to come into my life without me noticing. it. I'm not going to say it's coincidence. Amen, Pastor. Here it is. And I'll end with this. This is the title of my message. Raising the Temperature. In your belief system. Let me explain and then we'll go home. There's times in our life that what is comfortable, what is predictable, familiar, is say that we work on about a 70 degree temperature passing. We fit into the crowd. We create habits with the people that are inspire us, the famous, and then the people that are part of our club, our group, our community. And a lot of times we just settle in 70 because we blend in. We feel good. Everybody else is around there, you know, not too hot, not too cold. Kind of like the three bears. But sometimes in our life, in seasons of our life, we start getting a little cold and we start gravitating down and we get to 60 degrees and get to 55 degrees and we go, one day we go, what is, what am I doing here? I'm so tired. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose weight. I'm gonna quit that job. I do need to get something. I gotta go to school. I. I I gotta do something. I. I gotta get out of that relationship. He is terrible. I don't know why I'm with him. Dating relationship, not marriage. Okay, let's go. So, so what happens is you're down there about 55 degrees, and you say, and you start getting motivated, and you turn on the heater. And all of a sudden, it brings you back up to what you, you Hey, look at it. And if you're not careful, you can be motivated beyond your identity. And all of a sudden, you get kind of hot, and it, it's going up to not 70. Now it's at 80, 85, and you're going to look at this. Woo! This is good. That faith stuff in the Bible actually works. I had a guy come up to me one time after he learned how to tithe. He goes, Pastor, do you know that tithing stuff actually works? I didn't know how to answer. But, what? What? Yes. And all of a sudden, you get up to about 90, man, and you are cooking, and some voice talks to you, you're not all that. You know better. And all of a sudden, we turn on the AC and start cooling back down and drift back to where we say our identity, who we are, actually is, and that's just comfortable, predictable. I'm encouraging you not just to get motivated through, and, and a lot of times on Sunday, that's that's the goodness of God is coming to a place of community and you get motivated. But to be disciplined that will last the rest of your life will have to come from your identity of who you believe that God says you are. And if you want to test where you are in your identity, you know as well as me, trouble will show up one day. <clears throat> it's coming. The Bible says don't be surprised when it comes. So, I mean, we know that it's. But what you do when it comes, it'll either be a reaction of, oh, no, or I've got to do something better. Or, got to, or it'll be just walking out your identity of what you believed before the storm came. Just little wins. It's just the little wins. It's it's what you do that proves to yourself of who you are. Now, you say, is that important? I can tell you all day and all night, and you'll forget when you walk out of here. Well, he says he is. Pastor, it seems like you smile all the time. You've got it. No, I don't. I have to work on this like everybody else times two sometimes. So what I want to encourage you to do is, again, do the things that maybe sometimes that you only heard to do and you just didn't understand it wasn't just like chopping your feet just to be busy. When you get into the Word of God, and, and don't read the Bible through in a year, but, but digest a whole book of the Bible or, or maybe even a, a few passages that you just go, God, speak to me. When, when you're in a Bible study that's a few passages a day and all of a sudden one of them clicks, stay there for a while. Allow the Word of God to speak into your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come today. And Father, we know that we can read, but God, we ask that we believe what we read is truth in your Word Father, thank you. Bless these people today. In your wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Let me encourage you just one more example. Last week was our mission Sunday, and you heard about how people went to Honduras. And for a week, they exhibited the Word of God, right? Love your neighbors yourself. Did it cost them something to change? Again, in their belief system, yes, I mean they actually put some sacrifice into it. They they gave a week of their life. Some of you would do that, but do you realize it cost them about two thousand dollars to go? Whoa, slow down, fireball! Two thousand. And as Mark testified last week, it wasn't just so that it wasn't the plane ticket. It wasn't just the food that they. This was bringing money to the mission. It cost them some. I thought about it again. It, it costs them serving someone that they might not ever, ever, ever again meet in this life. Serving them. But that's what missions does. That, 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 that's what happens. It changes a belief system that helps create that Identity. I hope you're getting this. Belief system, choices, experiences. They chose to experience something different. I, ex- I encourage you to experience something different. Maybe something that you've resisted, that God's trying to get to you, but the goodness of God says, I've got better than you can even imagine if you'll just allow me to be God in your life. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? It's 1159. Look at that. All right. You guys are dismissed. Have a great day.